0: Zane Lowe, Apple Music. Hey, welcome back to the interview series. I'm Zane Lowe. This is the place where the more in-depth conversations live and the list of artists that we've been lucky enough to spend time with is kind of mind-blowing. Every now and then I kind of scroll down over the last two years of conversations. And I'm like, wow, okay. And this one definitely is. Decade after decade of incredible, influential, iconic music is only one part of the Carlos Santana story. Throughout his life, there's been this quest, this search for a deep spirituality. And even though I've spent my whole life waiting to talk to someone like Carlos Santana, the fact that it's happening at this moment when the icon is so tapped into what the world needs, through the music but also just through this vulnerability this openness this sharing of information this magic that he describes it as that he wants the world to feel oh i just felt incredibly privileged to be able to have that conversation with him at this moment and there's a lot in it you know reflecting upon some of the lessons he learned from some of the most high caliber artists of all time like miles davis right through to some of the new collaborators and this kind of synergy this energy out in the world that he seems to use to attract whatever he needs in any given moment in time this is somebody who really understands the finer detail in life the stuff that we don't often focus about that we distract ourselves from that magic it's all out there and carlos santana is a student of it and this conversation is entirely focused on it so i hope you enjoy this right now this is the latest conversation on the interview series with the legendary santana aloha aloha (laughs) wonderful to meet you nice to meet you too i'm loving this album The way it starts, I mean, it begins with this beautiful reflection, which tees you up for what I would consider to be a perfect roller coaster that reflects how life is right now. You know, there is righteousness, there is soothing, there is dancing, there is thinking, loving, loss. I really feel like you went deep on this record, Carlos Santana.
1: Thank you so much. I keep sharing with everybody. There's a divine intelligence orchestrating all of this to happen, you know, all these incredible artists and writers and producers, just like Supernatural. It's an extension of Supernatural. This is why I call it Blessings and Miracles. Probably 60% of the artists and arrangers and producers and writers, I have yet to meet in person. (laughs) You know, all this was done with Zoom, with impeccable integrity and sincerity. I just closed my eyes and they're right next to me when I play my guitar, you know? So I learned that when I began, it was like records and then A-track and cassette and you know, and we go through all this, but it's like changing faucets. The water is the same. Yeah. Music is the living water that people need to receive hope and courage outside any church, outside any religion, beliefs. Nothing works faster on the molecular structure than frequency of sound resonance vibration, which is the same thing that Nicholas Tesla was talking about. If you want to know God, learn energy and frequency. And I was like, wow, you know. So we're on the right track because we're honoring those two words. Impeccable integrity gives you a spiritual traction, you know, not blah, 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 but actually a frequency that uplifts people into believing that they are worthy of grace. Grace is all around us, but in order to access it, we must have gratitude.
0: You know, it's funny you talk about the idea of energy as a form of attraction and the idea of being able to communicate with impeccable integrity and leaning into the spiritual aspects of life, which I hope we're close starting to evolve into as a species. But the night is darkest before the dawn. And I say that only to say that right now the blah 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 as you put it is so loud and so distracting and so divisive. I wonder how you block that out and remain loyal to your own vision and your own sense of spirituality when I don't feel like society has been louder in my lifetime.
1: These two words really work alter and override. Alter any perception that comes from fear, I mean from your mind or from the world outside. You know? I am not the body. I am free. I still live as God created me. And the way God created me is not necessarily at all like it says in most of the stuff in the Bible. If you can take from the Bible, I was created in this image Keep that. Mm. Anything else that is like Godzilla, don't go with that because there's God in Godzilla. Hmm. God is love. Godzilla is jealousy, vengeful. If I don't like it, I'll flood the whole world and end everybody's life. That's Godzilla, you know? So it's like I said, we need to alter, override, update. You update the phone and your laptop and you alter the satellite. You alter everything for communication and belief So why not alter the Bible and the Constitution? They need to be updated.
0: In this album, I feel like you took a step on from Africa Speaks, which was a really important session for you to go in there and to focus on something you were passionate about, work with someone like Rick who captured the energy of you and the band, turn it around, put it out. I wonder when you started thinking about this record, once you finished that one, when the idea for Blessings and Miracles started to form in your mind
1: with rick we thought we were going to get the gps to get back in radio but fortunately or unfortunately the songs from africa speaks were not radio friendly you know maybe flirting with it mm-hmm. but not quite you know so i accepted that our mutual cooperation interacting with rick rubin was basically musicality mm-hmm. not necessarily via a uh, frequency of radio so i decided to have a think tank here in the office with everybody around me. And I said, my trajectory is with clarity and certainty. I want to get back in the radio like with Supernatural. Tell me the names of people who have the finger on the pulse right now. And most of the things they do go into radio. So they give me a few names. And Chris Stapleton was one of them, you know. Mm. And see, this is how I'm talking about divine intelligence. And so I says, well, perhaps we can call his manager and find out if he would have eyes. To write a song for us or with us We called his manager And his manager, yes So Chris Epperton called and then we talked on the phone For a little bit, I was in Kauai And he was in Nashville or whatever he is And he says, well what kind of music do you want to do? I says, I want to create music Like Bob Marley and John Lennon Mystical medicine music To heal a twisted, crooked World infected with fear And separation Mm. And so he says, okay, I'll get back to you So he comes back And he writes the song called Joy, you know, which has got elements of everything that we love from Bob Marley to country music to a gospel black wire, you know. So the main thing about any interview that I do is to encourage people to believe that there is divine intelligence, whatever you want to call it, God or sweet baby Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, whatever you want to call it, it's okay. But call it because it's waiting to give you. An avalanche, abundance of blessings and miracles.
0: When you hear a song like Joy, when Chris sends it back to you, how does it make you feel the first time you listen to it, before you start to arrange it or add things to it, produce it, mix it, print
1: it? Well, my whole body went into a jolt. First, gratitude, and then jubilation, because the song is Joy. And then I realized, man, you know, God really, really loves me, you know, because I just submit a request, which is prayer— And it's answered immediately with Chris Stapleton's heart and his spirit, his light, his soul. And so this is what I want to talk when we do interviews. I invite people because there's an imposition or an invitation. And I invite people, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am worthy. I have a deep sense of self-worth because God made me. I must be pretty good.
0: So what does success, how does that play into that feeling? Because that is a very simple mantra, which many people find very difficult to acknowledge. It's not easy for a lot of people to come to that conclusion. It takes real work. And I think a lot of artists search for that sense of self-fulfillment and success. So as somebody who has sold you know, tens of millions of records, won multiple Grammys and things that are held in high regard for the most part with the artist community and whatnot, and achieved that construct of success according to others, only to arrive in this conversation with me right now and say something very simple, that I am worthy and God loves me. How do you reflect upon your success now that you've arrived there?
1: My mother said to me with clarity, you are who you are because of God and you have what you have because of people, because they buy the A-track, the cassette, the record, and now, you know, streaming. So you must be grateful to both, you know? And so my mother said in my perception, she implanted in my subconscious a reality beyond being a personality. A lot of my friends, you know, all of them, from friends to everybody, when they would call me, they would ask me specific questions, and I would give them specific answers, and then they would say, I'll call you back, sir, and then they hang up. And what I would share with them is like, what is the reason that you're putting all your gift to work? For me, the reason that I put my gift, which is the language of light, through music, The language of light knows no boundaries with religion or countries or nation or patriotic. All that stuff, we alter and override that mentality Mm -hmm. because that mentality basically is dealing with a corrupt business. There's a business of selling fear. You know, patriotism is prehistoric. So music to me is that universal language that reminds everyone you are a multi dimensional spirit. And the sooner you spend more time with you, that you, instead of the other you that is fragmented with fear and justifies, excuse the expression, stupid. I mean, there's something about this planet that is really fascinated with dangling money and making you believe that the only way you're going to pay your rent is by behaving. And infantile, childish, stupid, mm. and vulgar and crass way, and I'm like, no, impeccable integrity will be more profitable and more lucrative than stupid.
0: Yeah, facts. And yet, we see some of our greatest heroes fall prey to stupid. You talked about Prince. I think what shocked the world the most was that someone with that kind of gift and that kind of talent found himself in such a dark place, and it was such a tragedy. Selfishly, we all just missed the artist and the music. But he was your friend. And when you have somebody who's in your life like that, who is so gifted and has everything just pouring out of him like that, you talk about the language of light versus the dark places that people go to. How do you find a way to help people, especially artists, someone you care deeply about your fellow artists, and yet you know there's a vulnerability in that space, isn't it?
1: All you can do is offer an invitation to illumination and say, you know, I'm learning that everything is in the timing and the presentation so that I don't turn you off. Most people who spend more time with the persona rather than your spirit, you want to get in trouble because spending so much time in a persona, you know, being Batman is very, very draining. Being Bruce Wayne is not, you know, so I make it a point that in the house that I live, no matter where I live, there's absolutely no Santana. There's Santana in the office, but at home, I'm totally away from that guy. Yeah. It's a beautiful guy, but I don't want to. And this is with Jimmy or Michael Jackson or Whitney Houston or Prince or whoever. You need to take time out from Batman, you know, and be the one that puts the suit on and put it in the closet. And so for me, Carlos is more important than Santana because Carlos makes Santana show up. With incredible artists and complement life anywhere, everywhere. And that's why I say to people spend more time with your light, spirit, soul, and your heart. This is who you truly are. Then you can be Irish or Mexican or Cheyenne or Apache or whatever, you know, all of that. But first, spend more time with your light and your spirit and your soul. Why? Because that will give you an immuneness. You won't be able to. Alter and override stupid coming at you and convincing you that you're more important than your pain is more important than anybody else. And you need to suffer in order to create beauty. Man, that's a lie. You don't need to suffer to create music outside of time and outside of gravity, which is like Mona Lisa. Hmm. Mona Lisa is outside of time and outside of gravity. She's suspended in eternity. But you have it in you and I have it in me. The same divine intelligence that created that. Spend more time with it and you won't have more fun. You won't have to be miserable. You know, some people are not happy unless they're miserable. I don't want to be like that. I find that to be very boring and predictable.
0: It's really inspiring to hear somebody talk with such clarity about emotions and observations that at times feel hard to reach and seem muddy to people. You said before, we're very good at distracting ourselves, I think, and being distracted. But it takes work and I can tell that you've remained disciplined to get to this place where it now flows naturally from you in conversation and through music. When did this start? Where were you when your life turned a corner? Where were you and how old were you when you realized you had to make a change because you were, to quote you, in some stupid
1: yeah, thank you for asking that. This was in 72, and I started hanging around with Larry Correal and John McLaughlin, and they have a connection with a spiritual teacher from India named Srichin Moy, who used to help meditations across from the United Nations. So what I heard was like, you need spiritual discipline. You need to go like this instead of like mm-hmm. that or instead of like this. Because if you yeah. see anybody around you, they're either dying or they're walking dead. Because they're feeding their ego, and they're not allowing their spirit to truly manifest more light. So I made a conscious decision to embark on this path called love, devotion, and surrender with John McLaughlin. And I discovered that through discipline, I would be really, really, really free. And it wasn't easy because, as you say, discipline is something that teenagers really hate. And so I said, well, I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm in my 20s. And I want to do something. I want to be like John Coltrane. I want to be like Einstein. I want to be like Arthur Ashe. I want to be like certain people who their integrity comes into the room. And I want to be able to not become a personality or famous. I want my spirit to alter and override my ancestry behavior. Some things from my mom and dad didn't work for them, but they kept doing it because their parents and their parents. So override. Ancestral behavior.
0: Ancestry behavior. That is a fascinating term because what you're talking about is a spinning wheel. And when we're born, we don't realize it, but we start running on it straight away. We have no idea what that wheel represents until either it's too late, and the cycle isn't broken, or we step outside the wheel long enough to be able to say, hey, you know, I can make conscious decisions of my own.
1: That's deep what you just said right there. Conscious decisions, that's what this interview is about, Yeah, about making conscious decisions. Yeah, you know, when you say, what is the collective lesson we can all learn from this about love? That's what this music is about, blessings and miracles.
0: And guess what the enemy of conscious decisions is? Ego, because that is driving you into subconscious, distractions, anything to feed that. And when you stop selling records and playing shows and filling up this insatiable well of ego with all of that, man, that's when things go wrong,
1: huh? Well, you have to put things in perspective with clarity. So ego is like just a cork come out of a glass of wine and then it's thrown into the ocean and it's floating in the ocean and this cork is screaming, I must control you. You're a cork and you're trying to control the ocean. Yeah. You know, and so for me, I wake up in the morning and before I put my feet on the ground, gratitude allows me to know the difference between my ego and myself because ego does not know anything or wants to know about gratitude because I'm the cat's pajamas. I'm it. I know everything. And you go like, uh, that's going to lead you into a misery bitch really quick. But if you say, with gratitude, I surrender myself to grace all around me. And therefore, I can stand in front of everything that I love, Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, Allah, Rama, and beyond, and all of them going to give me a standing ovation. How about that?
0: I am fascinated with the relationship that true students of their instrument have with that instrument. I've spoken to many artists who I consider some of the best at playing their respective instruments. And I always ask a variation of this question, which is, how do you relate to the guitar when you're not playing it in front of us or we don't hear it on the record? What is your relationship like on the days off?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I just texted my brother Eric Clapton yesterday and I said, today is a great day to take my fingers for a walk with Mr. Confidence, Albert King. And so I played all day next to Albert King. I played his record. This is just going to be Albert King's day. Tomorrow will be Coltrane or Aretha or Marvin Gaye, but today is Albert King. Because Albert King made notes sound like shining diamonds out of all the guitar players. Mm. You know, there's a lot of great guitar players. But there was a reason why Stevie Ray Vaughan listened to Albert King so closely. Mm -hmm. Like I'm listening to it right now. I don't listen to him exclusively only because I love Miles and Coltrane and Wayne and Herbie. But nevertheless, yesterday when I sent that to Eric, taking my fingers for a walk with our King.
0: I love the idea of you still searching for that simple joy of being a kid, being a fan. That's how you learn. Play along to things. You put yourself in that wonderful imagination zone of like, right now I am in the room with Albert King. Just like you were when you were a kid listening to those records.
1: Yeah, tomorrow I'm going to hang out with Bob Dylan and Miles Davis (laughs) and find out their modem operandum. If there is such a thing, it's a modem operandum for Bob Dylan or Miles Davis which there is, being around them and being accepted or hanging around in their sanctum. yeah, Because they were very, very uh, different people. Yeah. You know, Bob Dylan and Miles Davis, with all respect to a lot of people, they're not pedestrian people. Yeah. You're talking about spirit personalities. They have a deep, deep awareness of the big picture, the grand design. And in one note, Miles Davis captures eternity every single time. It's crazy. Bob Dylan in the phrasing, blowing in the wind. Mm. You know, that's forever. When people were making songs about She Loves You, yeah, 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 or Darling You Sent Me, whatever, you know, it's beautiful. You know, romance is beautiful. Bob Dylan's talking about how many times. Mm. And his song is number one with Peter Paul and Mary, with Stevie Wonder, with Stan Getz, and staple singers. Everybody recording Bob Dylan's songs. Why? Because the songs that he was writing were more than me and my baby. Mm. This is me and my multidimensional family. Yeah, yeah? And that's what makes Bob Dylan, see. I don't know if he sees himself like that, but since I first heard him, I knew that he was a voice that transcended the ceiling of mentality.
0: You have constantly set yourself this musical objective, I feel, through your music to reach those places and have done so. Did you meet Miles, did you spend time with him?
1: Yes, we spent time, and he used to call me at all hours of the night. And when Miles called, it was always to directly or indirectly validate what he felt for me as a human being. Mm. And twice, he greeted me by putting his nose next to my nose, where I can smell his breath. And then he says to me, when his nose is like the way Maori people greet in New Zealand. Yeah. And he says, it means so much that you're here. And I'm like, oh my God. And everybody's looking at me like, what the hell's going on with Carlos and Miles, you know? Quincy Jones and Eddie Murphy. I mean, everybody around me. And Miles comes directly oh, yeah. to me, not to anybody else. And then he greets me like that. Like a honey. Yeah. And i was like, oh my God, am I dreaming? This is a very surreal... He did it twice, though. He did it at every Fisher Hall, and he did it in a boat for his 60th birthday. And so... For all these years, I was never mentioned in the Grammys. And it didn't bother me because my phone would ring and it would be Miles (laughs) Davis or Pharaoh Sanders or Wayne Shorter or Stevie Ray or Eric Clapton. You know, and I'm like, I'd rather have this than that. However, because of Clyde Davis and Deborah, my ex-wife, you know, there was certain components that put that thing together for my light spirit and soul to go towards the direction Mm. of Supernatural. And so that we invited, Clive Davis said, I'll do seven songs and you bring seven songs. Are you okay with that? I said, yes. So he says, because I have Lauren Hill on the phone and Babyface, and he started naming and they all want to write a song for you or with you, you know, and we're talking about the same thing that happened with yeah. Blessings and Miracles and this CD, you know, because how many people go from Kirk Hammond and Metallica yep. to Ollie Brooke, yep. you know, Chris Stapleton or Chick you know. There's not that many people who express such a vast variety. But to me, it's not even that. It's just, it's the same song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Frank Zappa used to say, just shut up and play your guitar. And, you know, so that's what I do. I plug in, I wait for the song to arrive. And once I figure out what key it is, then I'm rooted with confidence of how much emotional investment I'm going to put in each note.
0: Oh, I love that. The emotional investment of each note. I'm fascinated by artists who exist in a primary lyric-free environment. Yes, you bring people in to help write songs, to help tell a story, or share an emotion that is beautiful. And the chemistry of your playing and their words is what makes these Santana records so important. But in those moments when it's just you and those notes, do words come to mind? Do you think about narrative in the way a songwriter does? but you do so with your fingers and with your instrument.
1: Yeah, thank you for asking that. The narrative that constantly hovers in my orbit is, I am worthy of God's grace. Therefore, I can do the impossible, which is to be happy where most people are miserable.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Simple words of truth. Hard to hear, I'm sure, in some parts of the world right now if you're listening to this conversation with Carlos Santana, but very important Very key manifestations and observations being shared right now with an album called Blessings and Miracles, which is exactly what it says on the cover. You mentioned Kirk Hammett before. What a beautiful spiritual human being he is as well. Every time I spend any time with Kirk, I feel like he is like you, searching for that gratitude, that place. How was it collaborating with him? Two very different guitar players, but with a lot of commonality.
1: Yeah, we both love the blues. We both love Peter Green. You know, he has his guitar. He
0: has actual Peter Green's guitar? Oh Yeah, he owns it.
1: (laughs) he bought it.
0: Metallica money.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I used to touch that guitar a lot because Peter Green used to come in and sit in with us. When Peter Green was over the, he had one foot in the canoe and one on the land. He was getting ready to exit Fleetwood Mac, you know, and I could see that he was in that place where he was getting ready to do something different because yeah. he heard Santana. He realized me, Peter Green, a hundred percent proof B.B. King, B.B. King from 68 to 72. That B.B. King. You know, I got that B.B. King sound down. But here comes Santana, and he plugs in B.B. King with Tito Puente. What the hell is that? So he started hanging around the band. He would travel on his own and come into the concert and come and sit in. And so I get a chance to, in the dressing room, you know, ask him if I could touch his guitar. Sure, you know. So I learned so much from him, and I think he learned from me or us, that as Miles Davis said to me when he first met me, you can do so much more than just black magic woman, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I'll take that as an invitation to step outside like a, like a hamster outside the cage. And so that's why I was hanging around with Peter Green and he was hanging around with us. And I was able to touch that incredible guitar that I think is worth more than anybody else's guitar, right? Yeah. For some reason. I know the reason. The sound is beautiful. You know what? It's like Merlin's magic wand kind of thing. Yeah. That, that guitar, for some reason, everybody reveres that guitar with all respect to all my other guitar friends. is something that is very, very sacred and magical.
0: So I want to ask you as somebody who recognizes the skill and the ability of someone like Kirk Hammett, even though when he goes on stage and plays with Metallica, it's 100% Metallica. But I want your impression when Metallica arrived on the scene and started really inventing. And I said this to the band the other day. I had all four members in front. I said, you know, you invented it. You know, you, as someone said, you're Winter Olympics curling. You know, no one really watches curling until it's the Winter Olympics final and then everybody watches curling, (laughs) right? That's what Metallica is, you know, that's what Santana is. So did you recognize, did Game recognize Game When you saw them come out, did you go, huh? These guys are inventors. I see what's going on
1: here. Yes, of course. The seeds came from Richie Balance and then it went into Peter Green, well, Green Manalishi, before Led Zeppelin. But Cream and Jimi Hendrix are also part of that birthing of Metallica and Heavy Metal yeah. before they did it. What happened with Metallica yeah. is they took that same Led Zeppelin and ACDC to a whole other level because my friend Bill Graham told me Check out this band. They're going to be gymnastically big, you know. And they were still selling it door to door all through Europe in a bus, you know. They were still becoming Metallica. And so Bill Graham knew, you know, that Metallica was going to be, as we say, bigger than life. I know,
0: it's crazy. And I think about that band and how much they've grown and what they've been through. The fact that they, you know, um, are still a band is miraculous. We must talk about this chemistry that. I feel changed the course of two people's lives. You being one, Rob Thomas being the other. Rob Thomas being a darling of American FM radio at the time. Somebody who'd had enormous success with Matchbox 20. Somehow the two of you found each other. Perhaps it was Clive. Perhaps it was you. I don't know that story. But the song that came from that, changed the course of both of your lives. Now, I'm sure you've remained friends and collaborators, but you really have caught yourself on the record again here. And the song Move is really special and it's something about you two. I mean, what is it?
1: It's an alchemy. You know, again, Sweet Baby Jesus and Merlin, you know, they created this word called alchemy, creating water into wine. The alchemy of Rob Thomas and Santana is very, very potent. I talked with Paco de Lucia. It's very important to make women happy. It's very important to make the females happy. All that stuff on the guitar is great only if you make them reach a place where it's sacred sex. It's not dirty sex. It's sacred sex. And every time Paco played, I saw the women go, oh, you know, because the way they breathe like this, it validates that they have something that we need. You know, it, it's something we got to have, you know, it's just a touch, a caress, you know, all of that. And so with Rob Thomas and I, is the same alchemy. You know, we immediately make the females happy. Men come around because they want to be close to the males because they're happy. Because when they're happy, they don't have to do much work. It's already laid out for them. Just don't blow it. You know, don't scare them away, <laughs> stupid, you know. <laughs> we set them up for you, you know? I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it time and time again in our concerts, in a Rob Thomas concert. We play the music. All of a sudden, two lovers start hugging each other, and they start intertwining, and they don't care who's watching. Yep. They start doing it on the spot. You know, hey, go get a room. You know, it's like, hey. But I think Muddy Water used to call it, it's the same thing that makes a bulldog <laughs> break a chain, that chemistry, magnetism. You know
0: what I like is the fact you bring some new cats along for the ride too. And uh, I just spent an hour in the company of this young guy called Gerald, who calls himself g Easy when he's in his artist. When he's Batman, he calls himself g easy But Bruce Wayne, he's called Gerald. And he's a complex, vulnerable cat. He's somebody who's searching for answers, right? He's not there yet. And I really appreciated talking to him about all of that. So I was thrilled to see him enter into your space of light, spirit, and soul. And I wonder what made you invite him in.
1: Again, Divine Intelligence orchestrates Diane Warren to call the studio when I'm recording to Share the Pale with Narda, you know, because we're going to send the track to Stevie Winwood to put his voice. But the phone rings and he says, hi, my good friend Diane Warren is on the phone and she has a song for you and she wants to know if you would play it. And I says, of course. But I didn't know what she was. You know, says who's Diane Warren? She wow. goes, "Are you kidding me?" You know, she's like, "Oh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not. You know, I'm not in the circle of radio. You know, I don't listen to the radio that much."
0: But you know her songs. I mean, once they started rattling off the songs, you're like, "Oh, hell yeah, I know exactly who that is."
1: Oh yeah, exactly. I was like, "Oh, heard, sure." You know, yeah. so she sends the song, and by grace being connected with Diane Warren and all the spectrum of who she is and what she brings as a writer, I'm able to connect with my younger sister now, which is Ali Brooke and Mister Easy. So she sends one song and she loved it so much that when I played with Ali Brooke, she says, I have another one. So uh, can I send you that? I said, sure. So she sang to me and I said, man, I love this song so much. Can I have it in my album too? She goes, well, it's going to be in my album, but you can use it as well. I says, okay. <laughs> so again, the word here, blessings and miracles is orchestrated by divine intelligence. And all I have to do is show up, be gracious <laughs> and compliment with my guitar what's in front of me. That's the formula.
0: There's a song on this radio called America For Sale, and one of the things you have to acknowledge about Santana is that you are not below or above the idea of political and social commentary, that you 100% to quote you from before, can tap into that feeling with every note as well when it strikes you and you feel the need to do it. Now, that's never more on display, in my opinion, than when I watch you and your wife, and I'm going to use this word really deliberately, attack the national anthem. I feel like when you two are playing that, you are saying something every time I've watched you two play that. And I've always wanted to ask you, what is it that you're trying to say and communicate when you play America's most hallowed notes?
1: Unity, harmony, accept your totality. It's bigger than United States. It's bigger than patriotism. It's bigger than anything like that. I immediately envision Cindy and I in a space capsule, and we're ready to play, which is, you know, I got to tell you a secret. I always rehearse when we do the sound check. And before, you know, the whole thing happens. And I play the song differently so that it's accepted and they won't go crazy on me. Like, oh, my God, you can't play it like that. You know, are you crazy? So I do the polite part, you know, and they're like, oh, he's going to be all right. It's not harmful or he's not going to desecrate the national anthem. But when we play it for real, let's go freaking bananas. You know, let's go bananas and bring Marvin Gaye with Sensuality. Let's bring Jimi Hendrix and Metallica or whoever and Sonny Chirac. Let's take it to a place where people go Coltrane, Coltrane. Holy or holy F. You know, but it's got to be holy. Yeah. And then some people said after Santana and Cindy, Cindy and Santana played the national anthem, it was over. I could have got home. The game didn't even matter. You know, I have read people say that. We're talking about not Carlos Santana or Cindy. We're talking about energy. We bring an energy that overrides mm. this fascination with, Tribalness. Tribal makes walls go up to protect you, uh, defend and attack, which is what the Pentagon is. We spend so much money with that, which is called fear. Santana brings a joy that is beyond that—a joy that makes both teams look. Man, when we're playing, and you see LeBron James dancing, do 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 do, you know. And I do okay. Cindy, let's do it today, like Marvin Gaye, like do 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 make it sexy. Or let's do it. Johnny Hooker. Let's make it sell more chicken and more beer. And so there's a different setting to play that music. I don't even think of the lyrics. I just think of the melody and then the bed. What is the bed? And we're on a spaceship and we're watching the whole planet being one, not fragmented nations, one. And that gives me an answer where a lot of bands, because a lot of people don't see the grand design. Aerial view, look at the big picture, see the grand design in every note. That's different.
0: Man, you're a real one. I mean, f- uh, how do I finish this without making obvious statements? I'll just dive straight in. So we could never have met and had this conversation and I would have believed all this to be true just purely through the way that you communicate and express yourself through your music. You know, you are directly connected to the joy, as you put it, and the Holy Spirit that brings music to life. It's a magic that no matter how many conversations I have or dance around architecture, I'm ever going to truly be able to understand and why would I want to. But being able to sit here and have a conversation with you for the better part of 50 minutes and dive into just a little fraction of how you put it all together in your heart and soul has been a total privilege. So I appreciate you. I hope we get to do it again. If we do, we'll pick up exactly where we left off. Carlos Santana, thank you.
1: Thank you. Always at your service, man. Stay splendiferous.
0: Blessings and Miracles, the brand new album from Santana sitting alongside a life's worth of incredible iconic music right now. Stream it on Apple Music and while you're here on the interview series, add a rating or a comment, we appreciate it. And we're back again next time celebrating a milestone with French duo Air right here on the interview series that's coming soon.